0: welcome back to real talk everyone so today we have a full house every single co-host is sitting here with me we have zoe saida danielle and a fantastic guest really interesting episode coming up we haven't even had it yet and um i'm already confident enough to say that So, today, one of the things we're going to be talking about is reconnecting with culture um, and history personal history, family history, ancestral history. Um, And that can be a long and tumultuous journey. So, I'm wondering if any of my co hosts can relate.
1: I can relate. So, um, being Haitian American, coming here, my grandfather was the youngest of 12. He came back, he came to America, became a cardiovascular surgeon. And his job was to send back so that everyone else could come here, but in that you needed to be very palatable. So proper meant not speaking Creole, which is the language it's speaking Parisian French, be clear, not mm. regular French, parisian French. Um, and in that, you know, we lost a lot of a lot of the culture, even down to the cooking, the traditions, the holidays, right? Like, we don't celebrate a lot of that. It's very much, we're very Americanized. So Uh in college, I began, did not complete, because it is very, very daunting, the task of trying to trace that lineage. What part of Haiti are we from? What are we known for? What have Uh we accomplished, right? Like, my grandfather was pretty trailblazing here, being a surgeon during that time, um, and working in some of the major hospitals in New York City, like Columbia. But in that, he lost all the other culture. So it's one of those, like, you weigh the pros and cons. Mm. Yes, it set us up moving forward, but it erased everything that we came from. Right. So rough journey, rough journey.
0: And it really is, like, a lifelong um, question or lifelong pursuit, just the question in general, like, who am I? Oh, for sure. Who am I from? Where am I from? And I just, that story that you tell is so many people's stories in that um, you know, both pride and deep loss, right? Deep loss, bittersweet. Yeah. Uh Well, today, um, we're talking with Miroslava Gonzalez, who is a filmmaker, uh, a yaki woman, um, a mother, uh, she's many things. And we met her, uh, in last fall, um, when she came, uh, We had a screening on our campus of the Bears on Pine Ridge film documentary, Um, and we brought a couple of the elders who are featured in the film for their life-saving work on Indigenous youth, with Indigenous youth. And Miros came as well. Um, She's a producer on the film, which is an interesting story how that came to be. Um, And when Miros and I were talking while she was here in New Haven, I thought, first of all, like, this is someone who is really excited about doing meaningful work and sharing that as widely as possible. And mm-hmm. honestly, one of our, one of a student who I've known for years, who's a filmmaking student, talked to Miros for, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes. And I saw him more lit up than in the years that I have known him, just excited about the possibilities of what he can do as a filmmaker, um, as a Mexican-American filmmaker. I don't think on this campus, perhaps he's seen, um, he's had a lot of role models mm-hmm. um, who he could like, deeply and quickly relate to. Um, so I just thought, you know, after that experience, I thought we need to give this person the microphone mm-hmm. and bring her on the podcast to share that more broadly with the world because you have so much to offer. Um, and that is immediately clear right away. And sometimes we, at Real Talk, sometimes we're like, we got to talk about this topic. You know, some of the episodes this season, right, we need to talk about religion, for example. Yes. So we're going to find some people to talk about that. Sometimes we find a person and we're like, we need to figure out how to make an episode around this person because we need to have them on and we need to share their brilliance with the world. So, Miros, welcome to Real Talk.
2: Sure. Wow. That's humbling. Thank you. I, it's been an amazing journey for sure. And, uh, and the experiences that I've had um, because of the uh, Dr. Torres um, Latino and Native American uh, film festival that's held on your campus. I mean, it's just been amazing, everything that has come and and these relationships, you know, that we're building, which I'll also touch on later.
0: So, I mean, the basic question to start with is just, will you tell us your story?
2: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. Um, Just recently I was watching a, a, a film uh well, I was born in 1976. <laughs> they said, Oh, you went way back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I was born and raised in LA. Um, Latina, was raised, you know, Mexican American, but you know, as a first gen, I, you know, was very entrenched in in our traditions and, you know, got to visit family. Um, most of my relatives are in Mexicali and Tijuana, which are we call them um ciudades in la frontera so you know literally right near the border and obviously la is not that far from from it either so you know it was it was enriching to be able to go and visit family but still had that feeling of like i'm not from here or from there mm-hmm. you know um you know these labels uh, uh you know a, a mexican um but born in la uh and, and you feel you're not mexican enough you're not you're not american enough um so yeah that kind of played into the dynamic of these questions now about my identity. And then, you know, that got deeper, uh, when I moved to New York. So I, I fell in love and moved out here and, you know, it was, I was in my late twenties and culturally Long Island, Long Island and East coast are <laughs> night and day from LA. Right. You know, we're, we're talking about, you were talking about Mike and, um, yeah, there's, there aren't the population, the Mexican American population is much, smaller out here mm-hmm. than it is obviously in L.A. or Texas, um, you know, being called, oh, so you're Spanish. Well, no, I speak <laughs> Spanish, but I am not Spanish. Right. And that's such an East Coast thing. Interesting. Um, you know, because being defined as what you are based on your nationality mm. isn't necessarily, you know, as, as commonplace as it would be, I, I would say, out west. Uh-huh. But yeah, I get married and change my name. So now I have a new identity, a new name, like literally my name's changed I am away from the things that ground me, which is my friends, my family and and the place where I grew up or or I called home. So I feel like this has kind of been in the making of like all these questions I've always had. um, But then just recently, obviously culminating with, you know, with this journey I've embarked on.
3: Yeah. So like. What what were the specifics? Was there like an event or uh, uh, just like a epiphany or something that made you go? I need to start documenting me going back into my history. Yeah, like, what question. did that really come about? Like, how did that come about?
2: <laughs> so I've always had a very inquisitive mind. I mean, you know, some might say I was nosy. I just like to say I'm very good at social research. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and when it came to... I'm going to steal it's that. Not i not mean, talking It's social research on social media. Hello. No, I'm just yep. kidding. <laughs> uh, um. But now, it, and I think maybe, again, so I, I've had a very inquisitive mind and, you know, and I would sit around and ask my grandmother and and, and aunts and, you know, unfortunately, I, I wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't forward thinking enough as a 16, 17 year old sure. to sit down and talk to my grandmother. But by that age, you know, by by the time I was that age, we weren't really sitting down having conversations. She was already much older, um, but I've always been, been very curious um, and it started with the bears on Pine Ridge. I uh started helping out. We started mobilizing members of our community and I've always, you know, one I've, I've always had different ties um, you know, in community advocacy. And in my role now for my for my 9 to 5, I write grants. And you know, a lot of those grants were for anti-human trafficking and so um during COVID, uh I I wanted to do something. I think we a lot of us felt this like anxiety and just need to do something, you know, Mm -hmm. most of us stuck at home and, you know, everyone has their different story of, of where the pandemic, you know, how, how they coped. And my coping mechanism was, uh, sewing. I went back, I dusted off my sewing machine. Mm. I, you know, I had taken home ed classes, home ed classes. And so I, I knew basic sewing and I connected with some community mobilizers and so, when the pandemic um was at its at its height, and there were no PPE, no face masks, mm-hmm. uh, me and two other gals um basically mobilized about two hundred individuals. Wow. Some were sewing, some were cutting fabric, uh, some were just picking up, dropping off, and obviously, you know we everything was like you know c- the covid six feet apart or drop off and people's door stops and and it got kind of funny slash weird because yeah. at one point, <laughs> I felt like I'm trading and buying elastic, which was scarce, in a parking lot. And I'm like, this is what my <laughs> life has come to. I'm buying black market, no, elastic. And it yeah. wasn't, but, you know, just it felt like uh, it was a little kind yeah. of underground. Mm-hmm. Um, and through through one of these friends who's also working on her documentary, I met um, Noel Bass, who's the producer of The Bears on Pine Ridge. And so ironically, it was through COVID that I was able to meet this director who just needed help. And he was a first time filmmaker as well. And, you know, I also, not to pat my own back, but again, with the research, very resourceful, I was able to figure things out. Um, I also had a little bit of a business background, you know, working in the private sector, now I'm in the public sector. So it all kind of culminated to where I was able to come on board and really had zero idea where to start or what to do. But, you know, we were both kind of clueless And I'm very much uh, figure it out uh, as you go, hands on. Um, You know, one of the sayings that I I heard from a gentleman who founded uh, an organization called Not Impossible is commit, then figure it out. And that was kind of my M.O. of, you know, what I want to do good for my community. I want to help this community in Pine Ridge who, you know, has had issues and and, um, state of emergencies due to the mental health crisis and the high Uh, number of um, Native American youth suicide on the reservation. And so I wanted to just, again, continue this, you know, reciprocity and just give back. And so as the supply supply chain caught up with COVID and we weren't sewing as much, I kind of dove in to helping um, Noel and I came on as as a producer and just figured things out as we went along. So listening to you speak
1: and talking about how you kind of fell into this, what would you say the hardest part has been? Like you were able to connect with people, you were able to start kind of mobilizing and getting an idea for where you wanted to go with it. So what was the hardest part of finding information, being a social researcher? um, How was it challenging? What was the biggest challenge?
2: Well, and I think there's, there's there were a couple of challenges um you know particularly let's say as it pertains to let's say which back up with the masks um this bigger organization that i was a part of you know we're, we're committed to um giving uh face masks to first responders so when i brought up the idea that or not the idea but i brought to light and and we discussed that The hardest hit communities were the uh, Black and Latino communities here on Long Island. Those were the hardest hit. So when I said, hey, I'd love to make masks and not just for nurses and doctors and first responders, but let's give them to members of the community. And so the first pushback was, well, you know, let's let's stay focused on our mission of first responders. And I said, well, we help them by helping reduce the cases by giving masks to the community. And I sometimes have a hard time saying, no, you can ask my partner, Um, (laughs) you know, if I have an idea in mind and I'm like already moving forward. And so it was one of those things where, well, why can't I do it? Um, Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I think the challenge is sometimes when you get opposition, especially when with allies or like-minded people, then you, you know, you might question, well, maybe am I off base? But when you believe in something so much. I just kind of went with it and then ended up having my own like 10 different sewists, men, women, uh, tailors, um, everything from people who have never sewn before. And I'm literally on their porch again, height of the pandemic on their porch outside sewing, teaching them how to sew so that it was a very basic pattern. Um, so I, I think the challenges have just been not to, not to let your lack of, knowledge or ability hold you back, not let to let individuals that might not see your vision, keep you from moving forward with that vision. Um, Because then as it pertains to film, it's not easy or everyone else would do it, right? Um, That's that's so true. And so when you have these challenges, so with the filmmaking, um, you know, the imposter syndrome, I think we can be our own worst enemies.
0: We all know about that.
2: Yep. And so, you know, I knew the business. I knew the background. And again, even, you know, there's the artistic side of things. And then there's the the business side of things. And, you know, for me, answer emails. um, You know, be prompt with responses. And I know some artists think, well, no, that's not a thing with artists.
0: Oh, it's a thing. (laughs) Right? If you want money. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
2: So some of those, even just you know, with with good allies and partners, you might have different views of how to implement and and reach your common objective and and just that path. Um, so I think it's always very important, you know, to, to just com- keep communicating. But yeah, th- those have been some of the biggest biggest challenges, um, you know. And, and with the filmmaking, number one is obviously funding. Mm-hmm. Everyone's going after the same little teeny tiny pot of grant funding of lab uh, um, opportunities. Um, so as a new filmmaker, trying to break into an already very tight knit community, you have to be very, very resourceful. And wow. and I'm fortunate that, again, I, I didn't listen to naysayers and then found people that are like-minded and willing to share information and, um, one of the best tools. And again, this is just like months and months. And I was probably into it over a year before I found, um, Kin Theory there, uh, under Nia Taro, And they have amazing programs and support for not only indigenous filmmakers, although that is the focus. Um, and it's not just film, but it's all sorts of media. Mm-hmm. So you can tell your students, Casey,
0: mm-hmm.
2: all kinds of digital media, um, and so the resources are out there, but sometimes it might take you, you know, a while before you even find and make those connections. Um, but, but the, the resources are out there. And so Kin Theory um, has an office hours, which I thought was kind of cool because, you know, at 40 years old, um, you know, I, I had gone back to school and got a credential during COVID. I was a little, you know, multitasker, again, coping. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, but. But having these office hours, uh, just focused on helping members of the community, and it's not just for Indigenous um, artists and filmmakers and storytellers, but it's also for allies. So you know, folks can come to those office hours on Kin Theory that Kin Theory puts on monthly, and um, you know, meet other um, makers and storytellers, or just you know, extend their support and say, hey, you know, I'm I'm not in indigenous, but I'm an indigenous ally and I have XYZ that I want to share or contribute or collaborate. And in those collaborations, speaking back to the challenges are critical, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's you're connecting with someone at a film festival and saying, Hey, you know what, you, you, you like to do a little research or you're a graphic artist. I need a graphic artist to just mm-hmm. take a mm-hmm. look. My, 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 uh, class at USC, <laughs> you know, 20 something years ago, I, for, I've forgotten, I, you know, the leading, the kerning and, and the white space, but I want someone who has an eye for, for it and, and they could collaborate. And what I offer back is, you know, right now without funding, you know, I can give you the opportunity and teach you what I know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, you know, we start building these, these collaborative partnerships. Um, so I think those are, are important. So, you know, when when you do have these challenges and let's say you don't have the the, you know, ask for forgiveness later, don't not, don't ask for permission attitude <laughs> I sometimes have um, or just going, you know, just try to build 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 those those collaborations. But, yeah, those are, those are some of the challenges and, and gatekeepers that, you know, we can touch on a little bit more, mm-hmm. um, but just not hearing and listening, not listening to the noise that doesn't serve you or your purpose. Because yes. we know there's a lot
4: mm-hmm. of that on social media. And so, yes, oh, I'm loving this. I'm just eating this right up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, my question. Hi, Sally. With, uh, <laughs> um, You were speaking of allies and the importance of making those um, relationships with people who may not um, have the same identities as you. And I think that's important in all aspects of life and just um, like social movements in general. And so what, in your opinion, makes a great ally and how can people who want to be um, like involved in this scene um, help in any way?
2: Well, I'm, I'm very glad you asked because um, as much as I'm all a fan for Commit and Figuring It Out, I think it's very important that you need to know your limits. So a good ally is conscientious of their limitations, Uh, honest and transparent if you've overextended yourself. So a good ally will not only commit, but upon figuring that maybe they can't figure it all out, ask for help. Or, you know, a a lot of what I've been doing lately in my life has been grant writing. And while I just learned a few years back, you know, municipal grant writing and writing with and for nonprofits, Grant writing for film festivals or, or for for film is a whole different animal. And when you're uh, relying on others for information or, again, hey, just proofread this or can you do a quick graphic for X, Y, Z? And if someone commits and they don't give it to you by the deadline and you're relying on them, you could lose hundreds of thousands of dollars. So once you commit, I can't stress enough how a good ally will... Um, know their limitations and commit to things that they can realistically uh see to fruition um and then the other thing i think a great strength in an ally is the ability to share um and i learned this from my friends um the elders that you were speaking of um uh tiny is is the elder and her daughter um letitia she is very, very, has been just so, so important on this journey in supporting me and making me feel or validating that I'm not a pretendian. I'm doing everything for all of the right reasons. And I know in my heart I was, but having that validation and support from her was critical. Um, but she's also very much in, 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 you know, empowering other women. And what she's said is obviously a meme too, um, that instead of bringing each other down, a lot of us women, in particular, trying to break in into male-dominated spaces, rather than being in competition with each other or bringing each other down, we've helped fix each other's crowns. And you know, she said that, and then I've, I keep seeing it over and over again. And again, a good ally, you know, female or not, just just support each other and 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 be uh, as as sharing of information and tools um as much as possible because then that's how you lift each other up so i think that that's what makes a good ally someone who's willing to share someone who's willing to learn someone who's willing to also take critis- take criticism so that you can build you know s- s- uh stronger partnerships but then you know your then your end mission and your end product whether it's a film or something else you know, we'll be better for it because you're learning off of each other and you're strengthening your crafts, your practices and your relationships.
1: Nice. I do want to ask you, because you use the term pretendian just for the listeners or anybody who may not mm-hmm. know what that is. Can you just tell us what is a pretendian? Well, Casey
2: actually, is, <laughs> if you want to. Casey,
0: pretendian? Well, so we, okay. Well, let me put it this way. Um as you know uh, in conversations that we've had um well okay <laughs> <I'm> like <laughs> how do I talk about this it's a loaded question well uh, because i have known personally some people who not pretendians in particular but people who are claiming identities that they don't they don't actually have oh um, yes including cool. noted academics
1: yep mm-hmm. um, who, yeah, and, you're and
0: uh, noted social people very active and often sometimes the loudest and most aggressive mm-hmm. in social justice. Um, sometimes um, uh, people of color only spaces when they are in fact, not people of color, you know, claiming whole identities. And we saw a number of big mm-hmm. cases in academia, which is frankly a podcast in and of itself. Perhaps <laughs> we should just put that, <laughs> write that on the list. Daniel's putting it down. Um, <laughs> But there, then there yeah. can then there can be in there. Uh, well, there's gatekeeping everywhere you look, I guess. But there can be because of especially these high-profile cases that are so egregious and often involve taking resources away from communities, mm-hmm. um, and doing a lot of harm, turning a lot of people off because of how um, over-the-top people are in their performances. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just another case at, at UW Madison. There've been three fairly high-profile cases out of UW-Madison, which is where (laughs) I went to school. Um, But there was a recent case that that just um, came out, again, like somebody in a high position, um, taking space, resources, putting stuff in museums, Um, pretty egregious. So then what can happen is that, you know, and then also this happens online, people in indigenous communities saying, like, who are you to be coming in and trying to claim some kind of identity when people are trying to, you know, trace their, their personal histories, their family histories. um, And then I I think sometimes that stuff gets conflated and then online stuff just sets on fire. Um, And that's, I think what you started off at the beginning, Miro's just saying, like, uh, just mentioning people on social media can just really um, shoot you down. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for
0: making me up to I, answer I, that question.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad you did. You, you answered it way better than I could. You know, have some t- for a storyteller, I can't explain things very well, and and I'm more visual. <laughs> I have found, and you know, like I need to see things. So even just you, you made it sound so much better than I would have explained. But yes, I mean, you know, taking up the space and resources that would be earmarked or meant for. Um, indigenous or Native American, which is also a designation that's different from being indigenous, and right. I'm finding that even within there might be gatekeeping because, uh-huh. and, and my tribe is very unique. Um, so, with, well, and I'll just with the pretendian term, there's a lot of backlash when you again it's the noise on social media and people questioning. Well, you know, aren't you aren't you Mexican? Aren't you Latina? Oh, how are you Native American? And, you know, for the people in Texas <laughs> oh, really? that sometimes say, go back to your country. I'm like, well, let me bring a map of 1865. Yep. Um, this was, you know, so it, it's just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, I should have I should have a quick graphic. Maybe we can work on that. A little graphic about the map of, and actually it is in my film, but, I, you know, I want to pause on it longer because you also you almost need to give people a geography lesson mm-hmm. when it comes to these things. Right. But, you, you know, with. With Native American tribes, there's there's also this, you know, folks that g- grow up, grow up or live off the reservation in urban areas. I'm finding mm-hmm. are also, you know, painted with a different brush than mm-hmm. folks that you know grew up in, on reservations. And I can't speak right. to either. However, um you know, I can speak to this process that I'm going through and just trying to learn about my roots, reclaim my indigeneity. So, the reason I I. Describe it as reclaiming is because my great grandmother, she actually is 100% Yaki and she left her ancestral lands. And a lot of it, you know, you, you mentioned it before, uh, Saida, that, you know, folks o- often leave their ancestral lands and they have to adapt and adopt. And I think. You know for for generations before us it it was forced upon them Mm -hmm. uh to have to adapt um and assimilate and and even now obviously you know we see that you know uh, some some of my friends parents didn't teach them spanish because they, they didn't want them to have the difficulties they grew up with coming here to america with an accent or not knowing uh how to speak english well enough and so you know those are those are things that that i'm conscientious of with my great grandmother um she, in in the era she grew up in she they were forced to stop speaking their language um and this is in in, in Mexico Mexico continues to be very very much uh they have a very strong caste system mm. and so the discrimination the colorism mm. you know against indigenous people is is very very strong that i've had relatives even say oh we're not we're not indian and I'm like, well, do you, do you want to do your 23andemingarounds? Ancestry.com? Because, you know, is that the proof you need? And, um, What so, else yeah, would so you I think- be? Right.
3: <laughs> what else would right? you honestly be? We all came be?
2: from, yeah. So, and, and again, I'm not versed enough to, you know, d- dive deep into it, but, you know, a lot of the mentors that I've spoken with and, you know, have shared. So have shared a lot of this background and knowing, so my grandmother then, you know, um, Ultimately, uh, her husband was killed for his lands. And this is, you know, wild west crazy. That's a whole other movie that can be made um, because a relative killed him for his lands Mm. and basically threatened her and said, if, if, uh, you know, um, if you stay, we're going to come after your daughters and basically rape and do whatever we want with them. And we're going to kill your son because he's the next heir. And we also don't want him retaliating. So when those threats became real, as her, her daughters got older, she fled. She fled literally in the middle of the night. She was pregnant with one of my um, great aunts. And if it wasn't for her fleeing and you know, taking, taking her children um, up north from, from the Sonoran Desert up to Mexicali, uh, the story wouldn't be what it is today. And the generations that came after her, we wouldn't be here. Um, because of that bravery, but yeah, she had to hide who she was. She did not share a lot of information. Um, these, these great aunts and my grandmother, um, my grandmother was, she'd speak of our roots, but my aunts really because of the trauma, their father being killed in Sonora and all the bad associated with it. They really, and I think our parents sometimes also to protect us from whatever Mm -hmm. bad experiences they've had or their ancestors have had, they just don't even talk about it. Right. Right. So you have to be nosy like me and ask a lot of questions mm. <laughs> or delve deep into hundreds of hours of, of research, um, you know, so that you're able to start piecing together these stories of who I, who, who am I, mm. who are they? And do I embody the mantra that my great grandmother always used to say to me, which is, you're a strong Yaki woman, you can overcome anything. Mm. And again it wasn't until later in life that I started really thinking about that and so to ask your fir- to answer your first question how does this <laughs> all come about yeah just that curiosity still right uh well who am I and am I honoring them I mean mm-hmm. a lot of first gen and and descendants of immigrants feel this weight and and I I 100% feel this weight of after knowing my grandmothers especially more now so this connection to her and our history is so important because you don't want to forsake it you don't want to take for granted uh, everything that they've done and, and the sacrifices that, that our ancestors have made to then lay this foundation so that we can thrive. Mm-hmm. And as years go on and, and centuries go on, people forget mm-hmm. because sure. I, yeah. I, I do have the opportunity to train um, police recruits in um, cultural sensitivity. And one of the first things that I ask is, how many of you here are descendants of immigrants? And I might get one or two hands uh, in a class yeah. of 40. Right. So I'd be curious if you if you pose this question to your students, how many raise your hands? And then. Yeah. It's just again, I don't know if it's obviously our educational system, you know, (laughs) uh, here in Long Island uh, specifically, uh, (laughs) because I know Connecticut's making strides in, in changing this. But the narrative here you know, after a few generations, oh, I'm American and I'm mm-hmm. proud. Listen, I am proud, but I'm not that, I don't want to say a, a disparaging word, but I'm also knowledgeable enough to know that, yeah, I'm, I'm a descendant of an immigrant. So then when, when I go back and I ask them, so you're all Native American, those of you that didn't raise your hand, you're 100% Native American, because I'm not even 100%. Mm-hmm. And then you see more, you know, you see some eye rolls. And then you see more hands go
1: up
2: <laughs> <laughs> or at least the follow up question. How many years? Well, right. I, I don't know. I trace my family back 700 years, wow. seven generations. Wow. Wow. And I, I just feel it, it's still, you, you, we, we all come from different places, mm-hmm. the majority of us. So mm-hmm. having that awareness of who you are, where you come from, um, I think is important too. And, and being able to, uh relate to others and some folks will say oh well you know you did the ancestry and through you know ancestry and the 23 and me and i would never do that they're gonna have my dna oh. like, <laughs> right i mean we were all born in hospitals for the most part thank you that's the uh,
3: exact same thing i said i said oh so you're born in a dumpster
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh you don't make your doctor's visit
2: <laughs> come on man Follow up stuff from the state. I'm like, yeah, yeah, my son did have this, and you know, yeah. So it's just these. uh, To to me, it's more of a tool, a positive tool. Mm -hmm. I needed it and wanted it so Mm -hmm. that then I could focus my research in different places. And again, sometimes it's it's it validates us because Mm -hmm. my relatives Mm -hmm. and my family didn't keep great track records, but Mm -hmm. guess who did? Salt Lake City, Utah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right, exactly. A lot of the records are maintained through Salt Lake City. Well, so uh,
0: you're saying so many interesting things <laughs> and we're all like, ooh, yes. Mm. Um, and one of those is just the point that you're making about how how trauma can interrupt like that legacy of a family story in trying to protect, which is like, of course, something you would do as a mother, as a grandmother, mm-hmm. um, a parent, a, a person. You want to protect people from what you have experienced. Mm. And at the same time, that creates like the dead ends when you're trying to look back and connect yes. pieces of who you are. but then I I wonder as somebody who's newly a parent, how much being a mother yourself and thinking about what can I then pass on? what kind of ancestor am I going to be and how can I pass this to my son and what a gift that is um, that putting pieces together that that you have is something not just for for you in this moment but for, it, that's a, a, a gift for people who come after you. Mm.
2: Yeah, I uh, thank you. It, it, it's it's absolutely one of my biggest motivators of continuing, you know, when, when I, I reach dead ends and roadblocks, challenges, mm. um, knowing that, you know, not only for my son, but in the film, you'll see my cousin Priscilla and because none of and her father's my mom's brother. So, you know, of, of the eight that my grandmother had. So this is this is the ama- amazing legacy that my great-grandmother Machita had. So she was pregnant and had two daughters and, and her son. So the the three gals, one went on to have nine children. The other one went on to have eight children. Mm-hmm. And so then you have all these great-grandchildren and these generations who mm-hmm. who, who you mentioned. Um, and my, my cousin Priscila, I, I wanted to leave this the information for my son so that he wouldn't have to do all this legwork, you know, by the time, you know, 10, 20 years from now, he'll probably be able to find even find out even more, but he can Mm -hmm. couple it with what, what, what I've been able to, to track. Mm -hmm. Um, but my nieces and and Priscilla, my cousin, she went on, um, she graduated from UCLA and then just is finishing her third year of law school. And she became the first Latina president of the Harvard law review. Mm -hmm. And before her, Barack Obama, um, 30 years ago, was the first black president of the Harvard Law Review. So when the Univision and Telemundo and I mean, she was everywhere. uh, But Jorge Ramos was talking about her. He's like, you know, he mentioned Barack Obama's um, um, presidency there. And he said, well, you know, hopefully she'll follow in his footsteps. And that Mm. really just kind of like blew my mind. Like, holy cannoli, she's she's she will have the ability to impact and influence, you know, policy as as mm-hmm. as hopefully a lawmaker in the future mm-hmm. or working for different lawmakers. Um, but for her to be able to, to reclaim her indigeneity, mm-hmm. um, you know, we were speaking of lack of, lack of uh, sometimes documentation, mm-hmm. or even now they speak to me, some of the members of the Yaquis of Southern California, which I became a member of through this journey, Um, The blood quantum, you know, a lot of United States, uh, Native American reservations um, will not accept you as a member Mm. unless you have a blood quantum. Uh, Even if uh, your DNA shows you are 40% and the the measurement is 25, unless you're in the original scrolls from the day that the tribe was recognized. Mm. And again, I can't speak to colonialism and how a lot of this has in the documenting and the labels. But even within our own communities, people will still use those as markers of whether you're you know native and american or indigenous enough but again it's construct of colonialism mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. no i totally get um, that so my mom is a ancestry i call her ancestry freak <laughs> <laughs> um but before that like like you were saying about it being a gift i used to clown her and my grandfather for doing it because they were doing it before ancestry. now you're
0: now you're old enough you're like oh that's yeah. kind of nice. so now i
3: have to count <laughs> but um <laughs> They were doing it when it was like grassroots, so they were going to like libraries. Yeah. I think they visited a Mormon place or something, yeah. you know, because Mormons apparently keep the best records. Mm-hmm. Um, and so City. they passed that on. <laughs> and when we had one of our, we used to have family reunions on my on my um, grandfather's side, and they handed it out to everybody the research that they had, and people were just like amazed. Mm-hmm. And my mom still does it. Mm. Um, And so she found out, I think it stemmed from, like, a coloring book or something. From the 80s, we had Native American land. It has our name on it. And it's actually right next to one of my friends from high school. Like, randomly, their family had land, too. Um, But I guess we left before the scrolls. Like, right before the scrolls came. Um, And so that has been one of her biggest roadblocks because the tribe that we connect to, she's trying to find... Records of this one person, her, I think, great-great-great-grandmother or something. Um, and nobody wants to talk about this one person. And I'm like, this is insane. Um, and mm-hmm. so this tribe, I guess, has split technically into, like, the black side and the white side. Yeah. Um, and so the black side is just like, we don't have it. And then the other side is just, like, non-responsive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she she even just showed me something, I think it was, like, yesterday the day before, um, of a message from a cousin that she found, Right. And he's like, you know, I talked to some of the tribal elders, and they said, you know, on the hush-hush, you know, um, we're related to this one, you know, Hmm. ancestor, and da-da-da-da, and, you know, but it's, you know, but it's not really, like, widely talked about. And my mom was like, see, this is the stuff. This is literally the stuff. She's like, well, do you know my great-great-grandmother? Because her last name's the same. Would it be their sister? Um, So it's, it's just... I can relate to what you're saying, because she opened up that door for me, because then I was like, oh, at first I was just like, man, stop telling me about these people, <laughs> you know? Um, but then I was just like, <laughs> all right, tell me more, you know, like, what you're talking about? And so she'll send me down sometimes. she'll be like, look what did I just found. I was like, ooh. Um, yeah. And so it made me want to go on the other side, you know? I, so like you were saying about legacy, I didn't really know my grandmother's story, and I kind of like because she's just she's just one of those old people that like slightly always complains a little bit every time you talk to her. You're just like, "Hi, right, grandma." Um, but then I started talking to her a little bit more and finding out like like I didn't know she came here and was a nurse mm-hmm. in a in a in a baby ward. I was like, I 100% just assumed that she came to New York and was working in homes and cleaning houses. Cause that's what they did to Caribbean immigrants, and that's especially what they did Mm. to Black people. So Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, she definitely came here and was working. House. She was like, No, I was a nurse. And I was like, Oh, (laughs) okay, okay. (laughs) I had absolutely no idea. Had to ask. She wasn't going to offer that, you know. (laughs) And she came here and then got everybody else the visa to come here. So my dad is the youngest of nine. nine. See. Mm. And then and 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 and, and extras. And 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 extras. Her man's got extras. Um. And, and so just in that, like, I was like, maybe I should go into this story. And I just found, like, just two generations. Like, they're nine. But then I was expecting on my father's side to get his dad's side and just be overwhelmed. I didn't know a thing about either one of my grandparents' families. I didn't know we had aunts. I didn't mm-hmm. know we had other cousins. I just knew that it was immediate. And those are the people that I knew. I didn't know that she had a crap tonne. Of relatives, I think she said on her mother's side, her mother was like one of 14. And I went, I am already completely overwhelmed. (laughs) And so I kind of put it away a little bit because I, it just got crazy. I was like, all right, so basically, Jamaicans is just doing too much with all these kids. (laughs) (laughs) Because I didn't even put my cousins in.
2: What'd you say? They use the same name for like three people. Oh my gosh. Then your tree (laughs) gets housewives. Ridiculous. Yes.
3: I was just I, like, I can't even, I, I don't even want to touch this right now. So
2: I completely Let's just understand. be honest. There's, there's a little narcissism where, you know, your son and then their son mm-hmm. and then their son has to have oh your God. name. And, and that's right? how my mom says she finds family. She's
3: like, okay, so you find this ancestor and you don't know if they're related. But you go to your, like, grandparent and their middle name is, like, John. And the that's other it. person's mm-hmm. name is John. And you're that's like, okay, there's a yep. connection. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you are. You need to get paid for this. Okay.
2: Well, <laughs> it, it, no, and it's and it, it it becomes this these rabbit holes. Oh my mm-hmm. goodness, go down a rabbit hole. And I mean, the nights I was up till four or five in the morning on Ancestry, mm-hmm. and then not not able to make the connection. But then, miraculously, I met I met a gal, and actually, she she has a geneticist friend who mentioned the X Y and how oh, yeah, um, on on the male side, the males will take on more from their 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 paternal lineage, mm-hmm. and, the, and the and the females. So, all these things that I still don't fully understand, mm-hmm. um, but make sense, just, just looking at, at, you know, the documents, but all these hoops you, you, you jump through, yes. and then you have this, like, aha, or this fantastic moment, because, again, my great-grandfather, Francisco, who was, who was killed, well, not only did he name, he'd been married before, and Ooh. named his first male, Francisco Tapia Mm. and I don't know what happened well he he, and then I see the records of of his death certificate so I think he maybe was one and a half years old Mm. when he passed but then he'd gotten married again in Arizona Mm. because he was traveling bringing cattle back and forth from Mexico from Sonora up to Arizona so he had a family there and that son was Francisco and then my Uncle, great uncle. Oh I'm god. like, you had three boys, and all of them had your niece. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I mentioned my
3: <laughs> grandfather did that, but they were not dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So I was oh like, god. wait, Earl, <laughs> <laughs> was so because this guy just hit me up. No, his granddaughter hit me up on <laughs> <laughs> Facebook. She was like, oh, that's your uncle. That's my uncle too. I was like, I was uh, floored, you know. Mm. And she was like, oh, my grandfather is his brother. I said, so wait, your grandfather is my daddy. I said, hold on, that's my daddy's brother. Yeah. How is your grandfather, my daddy's brother's brother? <laughs> and she's like, his name is Earl. Episode, it is Katie. a whole it other, other
2: episode. You go into <laughs> your ancestry or Twenty Three andme and then you realize you had relatives and there's it's no, funny. Secrets yeah, when still alive. No, no secrets anymore. No,
0: no secrets.
3: I'm not even going to nope. hold you. I almost broke my family the first time I opened ancestry. <laughs> I was like, oh my, and I didn't do anything. But this girl hit me up. We were a match, and she was like, you know, I'm related to this person, and they gave a name. Long story short, it turns out my grandmother's brother had a kid with some lady the a month before he immigrated to America to meet his wife, who was waiting for him in Florida. Mm-hmm. And he was in his 40s, and this person was in their teens. Oof. And he gave them a fake name, which is why they came to us with the name. And that is how this person is related to us. And they're in Hartford. Oh, no. Wow. I was like, what is happening? So I had to go to my poor family and be like, hey, guys. Because they were just like, we are not related to this person. And then they they made the connection. And I was just like, so if y'all want me to stop, (laughs) this is like my first go. And I didn't even send a message. I was contacted. So Mm -hmm. if you would like me to stop, (laughs) I can stop right now.
0: And I think there's going to be a lot more stories like that. Oh, of man. Course. My mom was
3: like, there's cousins that are together. I said, I, I, there's some stories you don't to tell me. Okay. <laughs> that's
2: the one. Uh... But, and I think that's kind of the interesting thing, you know, with some of the, the challenges with this too, is these nuances, right, that mm-hmm. technology brings. I always say, it's a blessing and a curse. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, social media. We know yeah. the curses Absolutely. it can bring, but the blessing, that's how I connected with a lot of my relatives and yes. and my relatives, the other yakis that are, are on and off the reservation that are in Sonora. And now that I'm building relationships, it's a blessing to be able to connect with them. Mm-hmm. um But yeah, when it comes to the DNA stuff too, this family in Arizona, they didn't know that mm. my great grandfather had a full fledged family down in, in Mexico. Oh man. And then when I started asking around, again, you're putting these pieces of the puzzle together. And then my mom's like, oh yeah, I you know your grandma mentioned that she had a half-sister somewhere i'm like somewhere oh my no one thought of like hey let's go find her maybe i know mm, i don't get that <laughs>
4: yeah So <Sometimes laughs> it's crazy it's and then than... and then, how
2: do you deliver the news to this person who may or may not know mm-hmm. you know that their their relative had a uh extramarital affair and
4: maybe yes. their whole life was affected by it i did have a question that i've been ruminating on for miros um why film? You know, like yes. there's so Thank many. Thank you for asking that. There's so many forms of art. Um, I'm a traditional painter and visual artist, and um, you got into the, you know, how important it is to pass on the, the knowledge to your, other family members. But why specifically mm. film?
2: Couple of reasons. First of all, I started uh, back in probably 1996, 97. I took a screenwriting class at UCLA it was an extension course (laughs) and I still haven't finished chapter one of my book so (laughs) you don't need it Uh, and my ADD and again I I just found everything fell into place and and I kept wanting to if if I hadn't met the gals again through through the face masks and then meeting the director and Mm -hmm. meeting the gals from Pine Ridge I wouldn't have had the support to at least start going down this path of having enough information and resources to then be able to speak to it so there's that mm-hmm. but then having have met um, and worked on the bears on pine ridge then that was a whole other set of tools right mm-hmm. that hadn't been in my box before um but i will back up so i went to school um at usc for journalism and you know hey. in high school <laughs> when they're trying to <laughs> ask you and, and stress you out what are you going to be when you grow up i'm like do i have to decide now yeah mm-hmm. here's a test it'll figure it out for you yeah, and I oh. took. You probably know the name of the test, Casey.
0: I do. I took uh, it, and I don't even want to say what I got. <laughs> oh,
2: please share. don't do this. Oh, well, now we have to know. Now we know. have
1: to know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Dictionary editor.
3: What? <laughs> what? Oh, that's I know. Th- which
0: at first I thought was boring, but now I'm like, actually, that's super interesting and very <laughs> mm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. It,
3: we're,
2: we we were trying to. Teach our kids about encyclopedias and explain how that's how we found out information before. Mm. Wikipedia and Google. Um so What's the name? You know The name of the test.
1: Myers Briggs. I I have to Google
2: it. But it's a what is it? The Myers Briggs. Yes. Personality test. Ah. Uh So it's a personality test. Right? Where it asks you your interests, it's your likes, your apology. dislikes, and then it kind of narrows down for those of you that haven't figured out your life at 16, at a right 15, 16 years old. You have not yeah. figure it out? Eesh. So, especially for you know, creative talk, people, right. like for
0: artists, like thinkers, wanderers. Mm-hmm.
2: You know. I just joked with my partner. I said to him, I'm like, you know, if I had told my parents, in, in high school or in college that I wanted to grow up and I forget what silly task I was doing, but it wasn't grant related and it wasn't necessarily working on the film, but something towards the film initiatives. And, you know, I'm like, they would have laughed at me if I told them this is what I want to do for a living. Right. Mm-hmm. Because again, these social norms and labels and figure it, mm-hmm. figure life out at 16. Mm-hmm. So this test, um, you know, mentioned public relations. I had no clue. Mm-hmm. I knew that I know you're going to be shocked. I have a little bit of the gift for Gab. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I love hearing people's stories. I love sharing my my story. But, um, you know, I knew neuros- neuro neuroscience and uh, doctor wasn't going to be in my, in the cards for me because, again, I didn't get diagnosed with ADD until I was an adult. Mm-hmm. But I knew that, you know, math for me, math wasn't my strong point and no mm-hmm. one ever kind of. Geared me towards the arts or or explore these other things, right? So I thought, all right, well, of all these options, and I think, you know, um, like nursing would have been one of them, but uh, me too. <laughs> neuroscience I was really into was trying to figure out how the brain is wi- wired and why I do the things I do again, preemptively, probably trying to figure out my ADD. Uh, but yeah, it's particularly the how it's wired. I'd watched a documentary um, on PBS and oh. So that kind of piqued my interest, right? Which is why funding for the arts is critical because mm-hmm. these shows like PBS can inspire yes. young children. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it said public relations. I looked into it and I'm like, okay, kind of, you know, being a spokesperson and 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 uh, helping different entities, nonprofits or for-profits. So that's the, that's the route I chose. And at USC, because um, again, I lived in LA at the time, at USC and UCLA. At UCLA, it was more geared towards business communications and it was broad, mm. but business or USC was under journalism. Like it was weird. Same, same, same major, but two totally different paths, mm-hmm. right? Which again, going back to if you haven't figured it out, don't freak out. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> so at USC, uh, we had to take news writing. We had to take the history of uh, journalism, yellow yep. journalism. We learned, you know, we upped in St. We read The Jungle. And mm-hmm. so it, it opened up my eyes to this other world that I wasn't necessarily thinking of going into. Right. Mm-hmm. Back in 1994, me had no idea that this would lead towards, you know, the, the directing uh, classes that I had to take, the uh, Desktop publishing and design is now mm-hmm. helping me create these movie posters. And I might need help from your students, Casey, but yeah. it's a lot mm-hmm. it's a lot mm-hmm. like all these tools that you kind of pick up along the way mm-hmm. that are amazing. And even if you think, well, you, you're getting sidetracked, if it's a passion and if something you enjoy or, or, or even these crazy course requirements, um, yeah. you know what? They're tools mm-hmm. in your in, in your toolbox. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so having have gone through through USC's um Mass communications, I forget they keep changing the, the name, but it, it was journalism and communications at the time. Um, going through the program, it gave me tools that I'm using now. I'm rusty twenty years later, but I have those tools from having have you know taken taken those those journalism classes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I already blanked out on the first part of the question <laughs> but,
4: um,
0: oh yeah, I mean, okay, yeah. so <laughs> a lot of people look into their their family history but not a lot of people are documentary filmmakers and share that story. And I'm also hoping, see, I shouldn't be giving you this four part question, but can, can (laughs) we share the link? Can we share the link to your, um, to your short film, strong yaki women in the show notes for listeners to watch?
2: Well, I'm glad you asked because, um, your university and Dr. Torre, my friend and mentor, is oh. having the uh, Latino Native American Film Festival yeah. nice in beautiful. just a few weeks. In well, April. I think it might be. In well, April.
0: actually, a few weeks from when this comes out, sure. Mm.
2: A, a few weeks, yeah. Yeah, so where people can I, tune I, I'd, in I'd love to share it before oh, or after. Dr. Corey, that's, that's an opportunity. Good. That's an opportunity to also maybe drive some traffic towards his initiatives with mm. the film festival. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I'd be happy to share it, even if not. Um, because I, you know, again, a big part of this awareness is to to encourage other individuals that might see it and feel like they'll get labeled a pretendian. You know, yes. don't don't restrict what you want to do and the path you want to follow because yes. of these again labels that you know people might impose impose upon you. But yeah, why? Film, documentary filmmaking. Well, um, obviously the book wasn't going to happen, not anytime soon, unless mm-hmm. I get someone to help me write it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can tell the story, but again, me going back to being also very visual um, and having have, have helped with the Bears on Pine Ridge gave me, and again, the tools, which anyone can get. So let me, let, let's touch on that right now. But anyone can get these tools with the World Wide Web and access to, to mentors mm-hmm um but i feel it gave me the confidence to move forward because now i felt like well uh, there's a little validity and 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 um affirmation that maybe yeah maybe i can make films because i just made one i mean like <laughs> literally that was and i'm still not able to wrap my head around it um but using all of these tools so when noel when i came on board and you know we talk about you know whether or not we answer an email right away or not <laughs> um but we, you know, I kind of helped him with the film festival strategy. No idea. But there's master classes, uh, Sundance and all of these nonprofits that will give free classes. Mm-hmm. So I, I read up on a few and then I kind of and, and even now I'm kind of seeing the responses I'm getting and seeing that this is this the the, the project is uh a lot of folks more within like the Latino and Indigenous, but Latino um I guess uh side of things Um, those are the film festivals that this is seem to be appealing to Mm -hmm. because if i look at if i submit and i have submitted to more of indigenous native american i think they can't relate to the latino border town Mm -hmm. desert rat you know upbringing that i had and so even again that's that's a whole part of the dynamic. But yes, um, you know, film, I found that there were a lot of tools and resources, which you're going to need, you would need in any industry, but it's particularly one that is so tight, tight knit. Um, We talked about collaborations, I heard, uh, you know, I went to a few I'm lucky to be close close enough to New York City, but far enough, but close enough where I can go. Same. <laughs> <laughs> never too far, never too close. No dig, no dig. But you know, I'm not that much of a city gal. I love going in, I love visiting, I love the arts, I love culture, but I'm also very happy and you know uh, out, out here. Um But <laughs> I've, I've gone to some doc NYC, um, you know, classes. Some of them aren't nice as accessible, which I hate. And this is probably a foundation that i want to work on down the road um and me and dr victoria are working on a, a different um organization but to increase access because 125 dollars, mm-hmm. most mm-hmm. people don't have a 125 to mm-hmm. go spend or the time i mean they do it in the like from 11 to 2 i'm like you couldn't do it in the evening or in the yeah. morning so i don't miss all day of work mm-hmm. yeah but but the tools are out there uh so you have film festivals and a lot of them are virtual and online. So we can't even use the excuse now that, well, I don't live near LA and those are conversations that have been had lately. I don't live near LA or, or New York. You don't have to anymore. You know, Mm -hmm. people are editing virtually. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, fortunately because of my experience, um, with the bears, it led me to this amazing in on this amazing path as a filmmaker, which I still feel funny saying and I just got goosebumps Mm -hmm. because i was just trying to make it happen i had a dream i had uh the idea that you know what i could better tell a story the documentary you know i love watching them i and i watch all my movies with you know with the subtitles so i don't miss you know the words that are being said and, <laughs> and documentaries always spoke out to me mm-hmm. and, and again you know i met someone at a roller rink <laughs> roller skating rink and i'm like oh my god i want to do a short profile on him <laughs> and you know he's just this guy that's been roller skating you know since the 70s and nice and you know, no one would care but i loved his story and he wakes up at five in the morning or four because he drives a budweiser truck i'm like oh my goodness yeah you know there's <laughs> i'm like so you roller skate in the day into the night and then you know then you, you, and then you deliver you know um so it again just finding this again curious nosy whatever you want to call it inquisitive nature and coupling it with film just was my medium um I'm not I'm not great with uh actual painting or sketching stick figures all day long again. <laughs> but, but no I'm not but you know just accepting this is my medium um and and the interesting thing I've always been in the private sector and you know worked with now more with numbers than ever before, but even in communication and writing again, all of those skills when you need to write a grant or you want to tell a story and, you know um, so having, having that, that ability is key, but yeah, just committing and, and going for it. And, 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 and with film it's it's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I've said before, you don't have to have it all figured out because you don't know that the path you're on isn't going to be part of uh the path you're meant to be on that maybe you don't know that that's where you're meant to be in the future. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah. I mean, it really is striking me, especially in this like late pandemic moment, um, all the time that I spend with students and frankly, people who are not students, like what I'm hearing is just like your, um, I don't know, passion for life and for people Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. for stories and excitement about making connections um, and just this like sort of powerful, Force And I, I, a lot of people right now are struggling with um, inertia Mm -hmm. and yeah, everything's available online, but in a way that feels lonely to people. And I think Mm -hmm. as you were talking, I was like, okay, so one thing we can do as, as educators, but also just as community members or just people who are involved in different types of, or could create organizations, like how can we keep um, relationships and people central while all that stuff is accessible online? And not just have people like alone in their space watching something, but then not feeling like they can take that anywhere or move anywhere. But yeah, I feel, you know, I told the team when we were setting up this podcast, I said, I don't know. There's something about Miros. Like I physically feel better after I talk to her. <laughs> so, I don't Aww. know if y'all feel that. And then I look at the time and I'm oh. like, oh man, we are running over. Um, oh. Final thoughts from the team. We could keep going all night, but um, for, uh, for listeners and for your sake, we won't do that. Um, <laughs> oh. Any final thoughts from this full table of co-hosts um, or
2: heroes over on Long head head Island? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> across across the sound. Um, you know, I, I just think, you know, well, one of the things, just to answer your, your question, what I've found is you're right in, in this post COVID, uh, not post, but as we still navigate, right? Um, a lot of people were so eager to go back and and be together in person. So I think making the effort, um, to get out there and especially again, if Mm -hmm. you're starting out, you know, with, without a community and and I still, you know, I'm building my community slowly, but surely, but the patience it it requires, um, is, is crazy, uh, for someone that's like me, you know, to just be be patient, like me being patient and that's not my strong suit. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But again, knowing your limitations, Um, but there's been a lot of in-person, in-person gatherings and even these funky virtual, like, you know, I'm sure we'll see in the future the the result in in the pandemic and how virtual everything was. Then it wasn't, but then there's like this hybrid, right? Mm -hmm. So there's these funky virtual gatherings where you have like a little avatar and you can actually walk up to the person and then (laughs) it pops up like this Zoom screen and then you're talking to them. So it, it, it's virtual, but yeah, I, and I don't even know what software they 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 use. Mm-hmm. Um, but it feels more engaging than just, a, a, you know, you're part of a webinar listening to someone speak. Right. Um, right. So there are these virtual gatherings. So those those have come in really handy to still have that connection. But you know, a lot of these in person events, the film festivals. I can't tell you how amazing a lot of these film festivals and. and Everyone, everyone from day one has told me just if you want to, if you want to, um, make documentaries, watch as many as you can, Mm -hmm. you know, find out your likes, your dislikes, how you might do things different. You know, some people will argue that you have to go to film school and I will argue that if you're resourceful and passionate and committed enough, it may not be the perfect, beautiful cinematic, you know, um, emmy or uh you know award-winning film but if you can accomplish your goal of getting out your messaging in my case you know increasing access to the information that i've gained um you know if if you're committed you can you can do it and 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 you know old school documentary filmmaking was you did everything obviously you produced but you, you you wrote your narrative you edited so that's my one weakness. and I keep thinking about, all right, I, I have to learn how to edit. And my partner says, "Well, then when will you sleep? <laughs> and so, you know, I'm human. and again, I have to realize my limitations. So I, I found um, a, a great director of photography who's also a great editor. Um, and again, these these collaborations and and aligning and, and becoming allies with like-minded people, um you know staying true to who you are and moving forward and and knowing your limitations i think those those are going to be the key takeaways you know of commit and then figure it out but then also know your limitations and be transparent about it with your allies because you don't want to burn bridges in this small industry beautiful advice
4: yeah thank you <laughs>
0: Thank you, Miros. I mean, I knew that we wouldn't be able to sort of capture this whole conversation <laughs> under one thing because it is so many things, but it is, you know, thank you for sharing your, your story, your journey, um, for bringing up a lot of stuff um, on our side of the table over here too. So um, yeah, we just appreciate you and look forward to talking to you years from now when your production company is out there putting who knows what out into the world.
2: Mm-hmm. Thank you. Right. I appreciate Thanks, Miros. that. And you know- And and you know what? Can I just say one more thing? Um, You know, Danielle, we were speaking about uh, your your roots and looking into them and second guessing. Do you move forward with it or not sometimes when it gets muddied? Um, But I think it's important that whatever you do, learn or gain, um, that you share it, because I think in spite of how much information there is on online and social media, you sharing your story, who you are, where you come from. I think that's one of the best, um, ways that, you know, we can help each other, not only connect with each other, uh, but then also, you know, set, set these, the foundation for future future generations, because if we do what our ancestors did, our parents, our grandparents, and just, you know, and it was a different, different, um, just different upbringings, I guess you could say, and different cultural nuances where the elders, you know, my aunts and uncles, well, we didn't ask them questions because the kids mm-hmm. went and played while the, while the adults talked to each other. Mm-hmm. And then also this yeah. ele- element of you don't speak and less spoken to as a child, you know, when they had their upbringing. But ask those questions and share them. And I think that's what I found as a Native American uh, and, and, and being allies to other Native Americans and just with our own culture. Is just sharing, sharing your culture, sharing your story. I think you know that that will hopefully, by the time I, my son and our and our descendants, um, you know, grow up, that's the biggest I think legacy we could leave for them of just sharing, sharing who we are, sharing our stories, and, and sharing our, our roots and our culture. Thank you for that. Well, thank you.
0: All right, Meryl. Thank you. Thank you so so much.